good day wherever you're listening from, and welcome to Indoor Air Quality Radio for Friday, February, I better change the date on my notes, 14th, 2014. Happy Valentine's Day out there to everybody. This week, episode 314 comes to you from Studio 315, comes to you from Studio D in Central City, Pennsylvania. My name is Radio Joe Hughes. Here with me in the studio is Jessica Lawson. Good afternoon, everyone. Good day, Jess. At the controls, back in Studio C is my partner and co-host, the Z-Man, Cliff Zlotnick. Joe, always fun to work with you. Good day, Cliff. And joining us during the roundup will be our technical director, Dr. Dietrich Weil. Today's segments include an interview with Pam Wagon. We're going to talk temporary services today. I think something a lot of disaster restoration people use but don't always think about as much as uh, maybe we should in advance and uh, looking forward to the discussion. Of course, we'll have our halftime, thank our sponsors. We'll go right back to the interview and then we'll go to the roundup with our technical director, Dr. Weil. Before we get started, let's thank our marquee sponsors. John Don Products, where restoration and abatement contractors shop. Visit them at johndon, J-O-N-D-O-N.com. Indoor Environment Connections, the newspaper for the IAQ industry. Subscriptions and advertising information are available at ieconnections.com. Clean Facts and Cleaning and Maintenance Management Magazine, your source for cleaning and maintenance news. Visit them at clean, C-L-E-A-N-F-A-X.com, and cmmonline.com. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IEQ Radio when you inquire about their services and products. Okay, you can go and download previous shows by going to the iaqradio.com site and follow the link that says go to show or listen live. They'll both take you to the talk show site where you can download or stream shows. And of course, you can get the shows from iTunes. We also have continuing education credits available. Email me at joe.hughes at iaqtraining.com and we'll get you out a quiz for the show. Last but not least, please visit the IAQ Training Institute website for the most current dates for the training you trust at iaqtraining.com. All right, let's get over to the Z-Man for today's IAQ Radio trivia question. Thanks, Joe. Prize by outcompeting fellow IAQ radio listeners and being the first person to correctly answer the IAQ radio trivia question each week. Submitting your answer is e- easy. Either email it to cslotnick at cs.com, or if you're listening to the show live, you can text in your answer via your computer. IAQ radio trivia question for Friday, February 14, 2014, has been sponsored by. Triska, the Tri-State Restorers and Specialty Cleaners Association, who have been serving the needs of and advocating for their members for over 30 years. Remember, Triska is your link to industry training, certification, standards, and events. Their website is www.trsca.org. Now for this week's trivia question. According to the American Staffing Association, how many people are employed by staffing companies every day. Interesting. Cliff, why don't you do the intro? I know you and Pam go way back. Thank you, John. I'm excited about doing it. 
Pam Wagon has been in the staffing industry since 1989 when she was responsible for staffing contract security for various sites throughout the greater Pittsburgh area. In 1993, Pam was provided a great opportunity to open a branch operation in Pittsburgh for Crown with a C Services, Inc., a Midwest regional staffing service. Over the next 20 years, Pam built a multi-million dollar regional operation to include staffing for the cleaning and restoration industry, the mortgage, hospitality industry, warehouse and manufacturing for administrative, industrial, technical, and management personnel. While Pam predominantly was responsible for staffing in the Pittsburgh region, her branch also partnered with companies in North Carolina, New Jersey, and Virginia. In January 2013, Pam founded Crown Employment Services with a K, a full-service staffing company. Located in the Deutschtown section of the north side of Pittsburgh, Crown Employment Services LLC provides clerical, industrial, technical, and management personnel to business partners throughout the greater Pittsburgh area. It's not by mistake that the Crown office is deeply rooted in the historic, ethnically enriched Deutschtown community, as Pam has deep roots on the staffing industry in the greater Pittsburgh area, where she has amassed more than 1,000 clients and recruited more than 50,000 applicants. I think we have some intro music for Pam. Okay, Cliff, that's always always interesting what you come up with. I make it a habit of not looking ahead of time and just being surprised. So, Pam, do we have you on the line? Hey, Cliff and Joe. Great to be on. Thanks for the great introduction. Okay. Cliff, what you forgot to say was I did my one and only restoration um, well, job with you right. yes, at Office Park. I um, and I went on a night turn. Um, water loss with you and Bill. That's right. And um, actually that morning I got a call from Crown saying that I was going to be hired as a uh, manager for the Pittsburgh operation. So, and that was the Father's Day weekend, by the way. I remember that. Well, I don't remember that. I just remember going and seeing all this water all over the place. <laughs> well, it was a good introduction for the challenges some of your people will see. Um, and I'm sure it was a great, you know, and also, I, I don't know if we mentioned, I, I know I put in the show notes that um, your husband, Bill Wagon, is a past guest on the show, worked with Cliff for many years, and an IICRC board member. So you're very familiar with this industry. And we'll get into that in a little more detail as we go along. But before we do, what's the difference between a headhunter and a temporary staffing company? Well, um, first let me tell you what I believe a staffing company does, and then I'll answer the the question. Um, For a staffing company, which most people don't um, understand, is there's three major things we do. We're a recruiting resource for the companies we work with. We're a financial resource because we pay the employees as well as we float companies' money. We give them um, credit lines. And then the biggest part is we are a workers' comp resource. What I mean by that is normally companies have to project what their payroll is going to be and then pay premiums up front 
for workers' comp, where with us, they don't have to do that. They pay a, an hourly and a daily cost for that. But back to your question, the, the short answer is the staffing firm is the employer of record for the employees that are assigned to a facility. Um, and we are, are responsible, whereas a headhunter um, just recruits the person and then hands it over to the company. So they have no um, employment relationship with the um, employee. So it, it sounds like, correct me if I'm wrong, you gave us three areas you focus on, and, and the first one was recruiting. Is that similar to what a headhunter does then? Uh, a, re- a recruiter or a headhunter will do the recruiting, okay. but then they charge a fee for you to take the person once you want them. And you have no, um, they have no liability for that employee after they're on the payroll of the client site. Is staffing, uh, the, the whole business of temporary staffing, is that a growing thing or, or is it something that's kind of leveled off with the, with the economy and the problems we've had with the economy over the last five years or so? The temporary industry is still growing tremendously. Um, and with recession, it doesn't necessarily go down. Um, I had some of my best years during the recent recession um, because you can change what your blend of business is. Um, but no, the staffing industry is quite large um, today, and um, I, I believe I have in some of my notes that um, in 2012, uh, it was $105 billion operation. So um, that's pretty high. Cliff? It is. Um, Pam, one of the things that you said is that you provide a financial resource for um, the the clients that you work. How often or how soon do they need to pay you, I mean, for the service? Well, it depends on what the arrangement with the the staffing company is. I mean, the staffing company has to decide how um, fast they need the money. Uh, Minimum terms usually are 15 days. Um, And, of course, from my standpoint, that's what I would want. Um, Because what you figure is we have paid the employee or the employees for a site, and then you don't have to pay the bill for 15 days. So um, we're floating money for sure. And that's why people will use us. Absolutely. Um, Can you tell us some ways that using temporary workers can reduce labor costs in additional ways? Well, um, specifically for the restoration industry, um, you would need to be lean, I I would imagine. You want to keep your your base lean, your employee base, um, so that you don't have to have the extra cost of payroll insurance and taxes on that money. Then when you need... um, employees because of peaks where you get a job, a water loss, or a fire loss, um, you can then send somebody out during the middle of the night to board it up, and those be your people. Um, and then when you need demolition the next day or the day after that, you can call a service, and then you can get a hold of 10 people or 15 people, and you only charge for the hours you need. You're only charged for the hours you need. So you ramp up when your business ramps up. Um, so you're reducing your labor costs because you're going to be lean. Do I have to have a pre-existing relationship with you if I want, you know, uh, you know employees tomorrow, for instance? Um, it would be better if you had one um, because for the reasons I said, we're, we need to um, get 
payment terms available, decide whether you're worthy to have my credit, quite frankly. Um, so I would say it, it is a good um, best practices for you to have um, a staffing company that you can call on. You don't have to pay them just to be available, but you would want a relationship with a staffing company for when you do need. That makes a lot of sense, Joe. And I would imagine that helps um, both parties in that one of the major benefits is that, and correct me if I'm wrong, you do the recruiting for these companies. So you have to go through the lists of people that are looking for work and decide which ones would be, you know, fit well for, you know, like you were talking about uh, de- deconstructing a building. You know, not everybody can do that. Not everybody can haul wet carpet out of a building. Is that accurate to say? Well, yes, it's accurate to say. I think you would want to um, have a relationship with somebody so they know how to deal with you. Um, if you go to a company that's never dealt with restoration, then they're not going to think that taking a carpet out of, wet carpet out of a building is that hard. So they may send you somebody that is not qualified to do it for sure. But with the staffing company, what you would do is you tell us what you need um, as, as far as a job description for any position you have, whether it be industrial or clerical, um, and then we should have people on, on our roles that can do that. A good staffing service is going to recruit every day of the year for all of their different companies and all of the different positions. Um, so if somebody has never done that, for example, you may, you may need an estimator. Well, you know, not all companies are going to have estimators just hanging around in their database if they never know that you might not need one or that you might need one. You know, I'm curious, Pam, do, do you have, you know, I used to be a, um, a substitute school teacher way back in another life, and, and some people wanted to stay subs forever. They didn't really want full-time work, and, and they didn't want to work with one particular school district. They kind of liked moving around. They liked being able to say, no, I don't want to work today. Do you find the same thing in, in the uh, temporary staffing industry, that some of your people would prefer to stay as temporary staff as opposed to going full-time? There, There is a large portion of people or are a large portion of people that do like just being in the temporary industry and like going from job to job. Not that necessarily that they go daily, but they do a project for six months and then they're done with that project and um, ABC company then needs them someplace and we put them there. So there are people that like to do that. The staffing industry does uh, provide benefits to its employees um, who are long-term employees. Um, so there's a misconception. Many people say temporaries have no benefits where that is not true. The temporary industry, most um, companies do provide vacation and holiday pay and insurance and life insurance, etc. Cliff, let me turn it over to you. Okay. So do I understand correctly that if I'm using your service, I really have no recruiting costs? You should have no recruiting costs. If you use um, my service, you should have no recruiting costs. Because if you call me and say, I need an estimator, I need an admin person, I need a laborer, you don't have to go and use job boards. 
I'm going to put all of that on job boards or in the paper um, or do trade shows. For example, um, I did have to put a paper ad in, which I usually don't use. I use um, job boards such as Monster or Career Builder, etc. Um, but I had to put an ad in the paper um, about three months ago. It was an inch ad in a one column, maybe an inch and a quarter. It cost me $898 to put it in the city paper on Sunday. Now, if you do that, you may not get anybody to respond to your ad, and now you've lost $898. If you call me, I'm going to put that ad in, or I'm going to put it someplace. You're not going to get charged a dime unless you hire one of my people, unless you put them at your facility. I'm going to let you interview them. I'm going to let you talk to them. I'm going to test them. I'm going to drug test them. I'm going to do their background check and you're going to get somebody that's already pre-screened and have no exposure or no money. Was that a good investment for you, that close to $900 at? Um, well, because I can use people for more than one job. You know, I'm going, to, I'm going to put it in for a variety of jobs. If you're just putting it in for one position, I don't know that that's a good investment. I do know that if you call me, and you say, I need this person, and I'm going to take all the financial exposure, that's a great investment for you. Right, absolutely, absolutely. What, can you talk about how hiring temps can eliminate hiring mistakes? Um, I think hiring temps, the way it, it stops that um, is we test differently than you would test. Um, we pre-screen people. Um, in today's world, predatory applicants is a very big thing, and what I mean by that are applicants that are tr trying to apply for jobs just so they can go file an applicant, uh, a workers' comp claim, or go and get enough weeks to get on unemployment. So we're going to look differently at applications than probably um, the normal business person would. Uh, it, for crown's sake, we're drug-free, and I think that makes a tremendous difference on making hiring uh, decisions. Uh, we do pre-skills testing, uh, background checks. That's always a big thing. I think it's important that you ask your, your staffing company or obligate them to show you that they're doing pre-employment background checks and reference checks. Um, well, I, I guess... What happens if I get someone and and you know they can do the you know they can do the skills they can do the job but there's just friction between them and and other staff and they're really not working out um, you know what do I do? Well, in a, in a temporary arrangement um, today in today's world, temp to hire or as we say view to hire is very popular and that is where you've you've said what you wanted. We send you the person you like them. They interviewed well. You want to start them. Um, in the temp to hire arrangement, you cannot normally hire them on for a minimum of three months. In that time, um, the first month, you see, you see the applicant or the candidate that is great. They do everything you want the way you want. They play nice. Uh, the second month, they sort of aren't quite as nice and they might start having attendance issues or there's friction in the office, they don't work out. Um, third month, you see their true colors. At any time during that, you can just say, Pam, I don't want them here anymore. I don't think they're going to work out here. I want to proceed in a different um, avenue. We call them and we say, your assignment is completed. You have no long-term liability for that person. You have no unemployment costs. You have no... 
reason to do anything with them. They weren't your employee. They're my employee. Now, I'm going to either do one of two things. If it wasn't something that was bad that made them um, no longer be able to work with you, I'm going to try and find them another assignment. And you're rid of the person. It's a great avenue for the employer. Oh, no, absolutely, because some people find it difficult to uh, let someone go. You know, it's not an easy thing to do, and... uh, Right, absolutely. I mean, you know, to be a, a little employer and a huge employee. And, you know, well, yeah, and you, there's, and no, there's no reason. There's no reason to have to. And they know. I mean, they should have their best foot forward in trying to get the job. Um, and typically, if it doesn't work out, it's because it shouldn't have worked out. They didn't, they didn't allow it. They didn't do their part of the job. When you're evaluating people, I've heard this, and I, you know, if you rather not answer, I, I understand, but I've heard that part of the evaluation could be looking at, like, social media sites like Facebook and, and LinkedIn and so on, and I've heard people being warned, you know, be careful what you put up on these sites because people can see it, you know, it, it's obvious to a lot of people. Is that something that's um, good good advice? Um. I do not look at social media when I'm I'm determining whether we should hire some somebody or not. Um, there's some legal legal issues now that are out about that as far as whether you can or you cannot. Um, so I'm not going to comment on that because of the legal issues around it. But my my thing would be to tell anybody that is looking for work that they should really watch what they put online. I mean, not just from an employer standpoint, but just from a general rule, what you put online is someplace forever. So um, that is something that people say on TV all the time when they're talking about youth. But So from an employment side, I don't do it. Um, I, there's that whole thing about what you do on the outside should not be um, talked about at work. So, um, But there's some legal, legal issues surrounding it. And so do you, do you know if other staffing agencies do look at these things or is that something you'd rather not comment on um i think i think some employers do um and i think that um i I just think it's an issue that that's not going to be that's not going to tell people whether to to hire or not to hire most people now if they know they're going to put something that is not good online they don't use their last name anyway so um or they have two different you know say for example facebook accounts so um gotcha it it is what it is i mean you need to do your due diligence with regard to pre-screening and background checks etc um However, I don't know that social media is really... Personally, I don't know that social media is really the way. Okay. Cliff? Thanks, Joe. Um, Would you say that using temporary workers can reduce an employer's uh, benefit requirements? Um, Well, the the temporary is not your employee, so of course it's going to lessen the benefits. Um, A lot of people, a lot of clients will use the temp time frame and for their probationary period and then put their uh, employee on and they will 
allow them to go on to benefits right away. For example, say you have that you can't start your medical benefits for your employees until the, the first day after their 60th day, first day of the month after their 60th day. Some clients will use the temp time, and as soon as they get on with the client hired on an attempt to hire arrangement, they'll let them get their benefits. Others will not. If you don't, you have now... Um, not had to worry about paying benefits for three months. So um, it will reduce it in that that way. Um, and with 401k, et cetera, whatever your terms, you have now delayed them that time frame of the temp. Pam, what kind of training do these folks get prior to coming out on the job? I would imagine there, maybe I'm wrong, but I would imagine there's standardized some kind of standardized at least orientation and training for everyone and then maybe there's some specialized training for others but uh please let me know um well actually in in the normal arrangement you're going to tell us what kind of skills you know the, the business is going to say what kind of skills they need a particular person to have the training should be no different than it would be for a permanent employee um, because the the employer is responsible for the site. Certainly, there are some clients that may want us to um, have certain orientation that we give if they have the standard one for their site, and then we would do that. But the training for a temporary employee should be no different than the training for a permanent. So if you're required to give a train uh, training for this permanent employee, then the clump company is also required to do it for a temporary. I see. Now, we talked a little bit about background checks, and one of the things that that made me think about is a lot of times in the disaster restoration world, these folks are in people's homes, they're in their businesses, they may or may not be directly supervised. And one of the issues, obviously, that people are concerned about is, you know, what if someone gets caught stealing? So if a temporary worker is caught stealing from a customer on the job, how does that, how is that handled? Well, tell me this. Is the person caught or is the person the scapegoat? And then I'll answer the question. Good question. Let's say they're caught. Okay. If they're caught, then I would say you should call the police and have them arrested just as you would a permanent employee. Okay. See, the, the thing, Joe, is there is really no, should be no difference between a temporary and a permanent employee. They're both employees, they're both assigned there, and the same rules apply to both. Now, my background, I don't know if Cliff told you this, but my background is in criminology. So I'm pretty specific on what, what I want and don't want out in the workforce. Mm-hmm. So, um, but the, the, the truth is, because we have hotels that we do, etc., the, the truth is that if somebody's caught stealing, then you need to call the police and you need to have them arrested. And if they are found guilty, then they stole it. But if they're not found guilty, they didn't. And that should be whether it's a temporary or a true employee of the company. You know, one of the things we used to do in the restoration business, and I'm not sure legally whether you can do this anymore, is, you know, one of the things that I would do, Joe, is I would tell the client that, number one, uh, you know, we, we feel terrible that they think that this happened. And that, you know, if indeed one of our staff, you know, was responsible for it, that we will prosecute them to the full extent of the law. And what we would offer to do at that particular point is pay to have all of our 
uh, employees who are on that specific project take a lie detector test on one condition. <laughs> okay, and that condition was that the customer would also take the lie detector test at our expense. And it was amazing how the next day they would find the ring or you know whatever they <laughs> accused us of of taking. Well, I think any time you know, even I, I I worked in a hospital and um, it was always housekeeping that was the the company the or the department that stole something, and that wasn't true. But that's who always was the scapegoat. I think too often, and even if it weren't was not temporary out at a client site of a restoration company, it's going to be their permanent workers that they're going to say, well, somebody stole it, as Cliff said. But now if you have temps there, they become the scapegoat, and it should not be. I mean, if you treat, and I think if you treat the temporaries as, as though they're second-class citizens, you're not going to have a good work relationship within your your group of people. But that's why I said, are they the scapegoat or not? If they're caught, if anybody that gets caught stealing, I believe, needs to get prosecuted. So that would be my answer. But it's not always the temps. There's a lot of great temps out there. Right. Absolutely. Cliff? Okay. Um, in terms, you know, we've talked about background uh, checks. What are some additional advantages to using uh, temporary workers? Um, I think the, the, the advantages of using a temporary are that you don't have you don't have the recruiting costs. You don't have to worry about actually you're not in the employer of record. You don't have to give the disciplinary actions. You don't have to you don't have to terminate them, but you can get people relatively quickly based and, and that's probably the availability of people quickly um, is some is the reason the people will use us um, if you need 10 people you can't just go out and get 10 people that have had a background check done that are that are drug free that have skills tests done where if you call a service you can have um, many of those things done so um, the availability is certainly one that is is huge. You you don't have to worry about wasted hours, especially in the um, restoration industry. I'm sure I know um, that you figure out how much you need to make per hour. So if let's say you want to make thirty dollars per hour and you're charging you're the, the you're paying your employee ten or fifteen dollars, et cetera. You don't have to have, if you're not going to need those people because you don't have production, you don't want to have to pay for them. So now you know you have a restoration gig um, and you need 10 people and you're going you're gonna to charge out $30 per hour. You're going to pay me, let's say, 10, but you're only going to pay for the hours you need. Right. Understood. Cliff. We've got to go to halftime, and let's and maybe we can add a little bit to that at the after the halftime. Let's let's stop and thank our sponsors, and we'll be back in ninety seconds with Pam Wagon doing a great job on the discussion of temporary staffing issues. Uh, something that I've learned a lot about already. Let's go to uh, thank our sponsors here, Jess.
thanks to our association sponsors. The Indoor Air Quality Association, IAQA, a nonprofit multidisciplinary organization dedicated to promoting the exchange of indoor environmental information through education and research. Visit them at www.iaqa.org. And thanks to our advertisers, Gray Wolf Sensing Solutions, who use advanced sensor software technology and embedded computers to provide superior environmental test instrumentation. Visit them at wolfsense.com. Legends Environmental Insurance Services, the experts in insurance for environmental consultants and contractors for over 20 years. Learn about them at legends-enviro.com. And, of course, our marquee sponsors. John Don Products, where restoration and abatement contractors shop. Visit them at www.johndon.com. Clean Facts and Cleaning and Maintenance Management Magazine, your source for cleaning and maintenance news. Visit them at cleanclenfax.com and cmmonline.com. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IEQ Radio when you inquire about their services and products. All right, we're back for the second half of our interview with Pam Wagon of Crown Staffing. I lost my name here, but Crown Staffing I know was in their services, and I'll get the rest of it in a moment. But anyway, I'm sorry, Crown Employment Services. Pam, in the first part of the interview, we talked a little bit about background checks. I'm just curious, do you have? Can you go through what your staffing agency does with respect to background checks and what people should look for? Uh, you know, should they ask their staffing agency exactly what background checks they're doing? I noticed you you mentioned drug testing. Should they ask what level of drug testing, etc.? Um. Most most clients do. Um, the, our standard is we do two previous employer checks, um, and we do a four county locally um, for everybody. And if they don't live in one of those four counties, we also do theirs. Um, there are other clients that may need a state crim. We don't do that on everybody. Um, but we do do the local. Uh, we also do drug testing and pre-employment testing. You should ask your service what you need to do or what they do. Um, certain industries need to do certain other um, background checks. Uh, for example, when we had people in the mortgage industry, we needed to do state checks for that, and they will then tell you that. One of two things happen. Either that's a paid charge a la carte, or it's put into the um, bill rate. So you need to talk to your service about what you may need to have them do specifically. Um, and you want to make sure, you have to obligate them to make sure they're doing what you tell them they can do. Now, there's big issues on whether you can hire a felon or you can't hire a felon. Um, legally, you can't say you're not going to hire a felon. Um, and that causes some controversy with clients. That's not to say we do or we don't, but you can't just outright say, I'm not going to hire you as a felon. Um, there is a thing about they can't, you don't have to put them back into the fruits of their crime, and you can do that, but um, that's a big issue. Um, you can only go back seven years in most cases. So, um, again, there's a lot of legal issues with regard to that, which I'd rather not really get into, but um, 
you do want you do want your service to have due diligence with regard to checking people's background, et cetera. Hey Pam, you know, I, I do kind of want to get into what you don't want to get into, but none of it. I mean, it's just really a simple question, and uh, you know, I, I think you'll, you know, I, you know, you know, in the restoration industry, there were a lot of things that, as an individual company, that we may not have known. So we joined a national association or a trade association or an international association, you know, to kind of keep us up on these issues, sure. and I suspect that they, I mean, do, do you belong to one, or, or, or can you get this information, you know, through some sort of association on these legal issues and other challenging things? Oh, for sure. I, I'm, I'm a member of American Staffing Association, which is the biggest um, association for the staffing industry. And they give us much um, legal guidance uh, with regard to everything from now the big thing is with Obamacare. And, you know, you can take webinars, et cetera, uh, uh, regarding any of the issues. While you're talking about health, um, you know, that's an issue that I've seen cause um, confusion, at least in the past. So you've got these you know, restoration folks that you know, obviously I can't have someone in a wheelchair doing disaster restoration. Okay. Maybe they could do contents cleaning or something like that, but I, I don't see how they're going to go in and pull drywall and carpet out of a building. How do you handle that kind of thing? I mean, is there, you know, I, I understand it's got to be tough, difficult. You don't want to be, um, you don't want to be prejudiced against people because of a handicap, but on the other hand, you have to be realistic about what their abilities are. Um, they have to be able to do the general requirements of the job. I mean, you're not being prejudiced or discriminatory to somebody if they don't have the ability to do the basics of the job. Okay. And I guess discriminatory would be the better the better term yeah. for that situation. It's a tough one, you know, because, I mean, there's all kinds of things that would worry me about, uh, let's say, for instance, someone has to wear a respirator. Well, now you're looking at passing a, a physical for wearing a respirator and then you've got the issue of um, are they, you know, even if they can pass a physical, are they really healthy enough to be dragging stuff in and out of a building with a respirator on? So I would imagine that makes well, it tough for you. Well, no. It, it Actually, a good staffing company is going to make sure they get the requirements of the job. Okay. It's not that using a staffing company is not so you can – get around all the things you need to do to have employees. And some people think that. They think that um, they want to use a staffing company because then I won't have to worry about this. I'll say I don't want any felons, and they'll listen. I'll say this, and they'll listen. That's really not the type of client I want. I want a client that cares about their people, cares about what they're doing, is going to treat my person the same as their person in all avenues. It's just they're my employee instead of your employee. But... The, the disaster company or restoration company, cleaning company, whatever it is, we're ba- basically co-employers. So you should, you should want to do things right. I should want to do things right and in pay and benefits and everything um, and training. So it's not to alleviate a, a business from doing what they're supposed to do. That's not why you use temporary companies. There are some businesses that do that. That's not the correct way to use us, in in my humble opinion. In in your humble opinion, um, is there any downside to utilizing a temporary agency? The downsides? Yes. 
there is absolutely no downsize to using a temporary service. No matter how you want to, you know, whether you're using attempt to hire, whether you're using it for peak production, whether you're using it so you can be lean and you want to um, bring people on for seasonal or staffing um, certain projects, there's no downsize. It alleviates you having to recruit. It alleviates you having to be the bad guy. It alleviates you from paying them. It alleviates you from taking your money out of your line and credit because I'm going to take it out of my line and credit for three weeks or 30 days or whatever the terms are. There's no downsize if you use it correctly and you use a good service. Now, what about the costs? Is it is it more expensive in the long run or is it less expensive in the long run? Well, Joe, you know it can't be less expensive because I'm in the business to make money. So, um, <laughs> At least you're honest. Gonna I be like less. that. I like that. It's All not right. going to be more. Um, it's, it's going to be our charge. We do charge just as restoration companies charge, just as IBM charges. We have a fee. Um, that's typically going to be around 20% more than your cost. But included in that, you get recruiting. You get benefits. We pay the people. I'm I'm loaning you money, so that's worth a few percent in and of itself, right? Um, but all the things we give, we do the W-2s. We do um, the background checks. We have all those upfront costs. Again, go back to the $898 ad. Right. How much? That's going to cost you. Say you have to put two ads in the paper to get ten temps for three days. You're, no matter what I charge you, it's not going to be $1,600 or $1,700, I guess that is. Right. Plus, 18. you got the drug testing. That's, that doesn't, you know, that costs money, too. Um, Those cost money. Yeah, sure. everything costs. All the pre-testing, you know, the computer testing. Everybody that comes in here, industrial or clerical, has to take a test. I guess you pay matching FICA and all that stuff too. I mean, you don't, you're not. You of don't course, know, we have you know, a, we have to. So what what is in a bill rate? If you're asking that, it's the pay rate, pay rate, payroll insurance and taxes. All of our costs then, and that's the extra, and your workers' comp. See, a lot of times. Um, Companies uh, don't don't understand that when they get the bill rate, if we're going to pay somebody 10 and let's say we charge 15, that is going to be, and that's not necessarily always, it depends on what code and workers comp you're in, but that is in total of what you have to pay. And that becomes an expense that's not an employee expense for you. So if you're not allowed X amount of people, you don't want to go over that 50 people or that 100 people. Um, you can put on temps, and it's not going to put you on that for over that full-time number of employees. That's another reason why people will use us. I see. I see. Cliff? For example, for example, on most recent, the Obamacare, if you're under 100 people, you're not going to have to um, do the business part of Obamacare. Well, anybody that's not 99, I'm thinking they're probably going to get some temps if they need anybody. Just my thought. Absolutely. I mean, I can tell you from experience that uh, temp to perm uh, worked very, very effectively for for our company for for many, many years. And Pam put a lot of people here for us, and uh, you know it worked out real well. Pam, would you explain to the listeners uh, how a temp to perm works and, and cover you know the buyout and you know what's involved with it and cover that? 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, temp to hire, the, the client normally calls us and says what they need, specifically what kind of skills the person will need. Um, we then would send them over one or two or three resumes of people we think qualify for the position. Um, you interview, you decide which person you want. If you don't want anybody, you would go through the process again, but normally um, we would try and get it done within the first three. Um, you hire them on the arrangement for us, and, and there's some across the board as far as how many hours, um, but we've always done 480 as the hour requirement. Now, depending on the client, they may need lesser, but you have that arrangement. Once you're done with that 480 consecutive hours, the person just can go onto your payroll. No, we charge no fee after that, no conversion fee after that. There are some companies out there that are charging fees now, um, so that's another thing you want to make sure you negotiate when you're talking to somebody. So um, after the 480, you hire that person onto your payroll, and everybody's a happy camper. Um, If you want to hire them prior to that, once you have the contract in hand, um, we will normally do that. There's just a conversion fee. We're still going to make X amount of money on on that person. So what would happen is you would we would take that charge, put any time time used as a temp um, minus that from it, and then you have your fee. Um, many people ask me what I you know what that does to me because I'm actually really always selling off my commodity, if you would. It's great for me. I love it. It's, there's no better advertisement for me than to say, I sent you a person, and that person was good enough to stay on your payroll. There's no better advertisement for me from the temp avenue, because they're going to call all of their friends and say, go to Crown. They're going to get you full-time work. They're going to get you temp-to-hire work. Um, we do about What we do is about 80 to 90% temp-to-hire. Well, that's pretty high. Is that common in the industry? Um, we all have our own niche, so um, that's what mine is. You know, there are there are companies that just do day labor, which they have a hall and they have people sitting there, and they get a call and they send them out. And I don't do that. Anybody that if we get if we get an order, we have to make calls out to our database and say, hey, we have this job to start this day. Can you do it? You know, obviously we've already searched to see if they have those skills. Um, but so it depends on what kind of business you're doing as to whether that's common. For me, temp to hire has always been very good. You know, I'd, I'd like to go to the roundup in a minute. Before we do, I want to give you a, a uh, I want to ask you to help our listeners actually. And you've mentioned a couple times things here to watch for in your temporary staffing company. And I wonder if maybe, you know, you know, our, most of our listeners, at least for this show will be disaster restoration folks, the, the consultants and the IAQ folks, they probably don't use temps as often, but the disaster restoration side does. What types of questions should they ask the temporary staffing agency they're considering using? Uh, what should they look for in those companies? Um, they should look on how proactive the company will be to their needs. And what I mean by that, <laughs> excuse me, um, if they're going to use the company, will they be able to staff for them? Um, that's number one. Uh, what they do for pre-testing and, and pre-employment screening, that's 
paramount because you don't want somebody, and as far as workers' comp too, because you don't want that predatory applicant to come onto your site. While I'm responsible for the workers' comp, you're still having it happen on your site. And, and while that won't up your premium, um, it will be have to go on to a log for you. So you want to know the pre-testing, and you want to know what you're getting. depends on what type of um, use you're going to have. If you're getting day labor people, are you going to have turnover constantly? What the buyout is, that's a big thing. You want to know what the buyout is. Um, but the testing up front, I think, you, you want to know, and that's probably one of the biggest things. You want to know that you're getting a solid person. You're, you're, if you're advocating your responsibility for recruiting to your staffing service, then you want to know that they're going to do what you want them to do as far as, as making sure their, ba- their background is done. I mean, whether you can not put them on because of a background, you want to know what is there and what your exposure is. That's more important. Could could I ask you? Would you be able to say how, what other disaster restoration companies you provide temporary staffing for? Here. Yes. What I have done. No, no. I mean, if I were if I were a disaster restoration company looking for a temporary staffing company, I came to you and I said, "Okay, Pam, who else do you work with in in this industry?" You 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 could you could ask that okay. to people. Okay, I just wanted I you know I thought that might be a good thing to to find out if uh, if companies sometimes are sometimes not. Okay, okay. I mean it depends. If you would ask that question to another vendor, then certainly ask it to the staffing company. Gotcha. Um, that would tell you whether or not they have some experience in what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I do have clients that say that I it's. Um, the hospitality industry, they want to know what other hotels I've done. Mortgage industry, they want to know what other mortgage companies I've done. Certainly, that's something you would want to ask. You could, you could also ask and should ask what the terms are um, for using us. A lot of companies use us because um, we pay weekly and they pay biweekly. Guess what? That really saves on your payroll and makes happy campers. Okay. So um, you, you want to know those kind of things. I see. Okay. Cliff, do you want to go to Roundup? Yeah, let's let's do that. I'll ask my last question then, Roundup. All right, let's do that. We'll bring the good doctor in. We'll be right back with Pam Wigan. A little temporary staffing show today. Been a lot of fun. Move him on, hit him up, hit him up. Move him on, move him on, hit him up. Raw high. Cut him in, ride him in, let him out. Cut him out, ride him in. Let's start with uh, the good doctor, Dr. Dietrich Weil, then we'll go to Cliff, and I'll wrap it up. All right, Dieter, do we have you on the line? Hello, Dieter. Uh Uh-oh, looks like we lost the doc. 
Well, let's bring the Z-Man back on here. Z-Man, Cliff Zlotnick, let's get your final question in. Maybe Dr. Wow will rejoin us. Well, actually, I'll, I'll, I'll do two then. Go for it. All right. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I think one of the things that's important, Joe, is that sometimes, you know, you need to be creative. And I know that, you know, for instance, when we were looking for, let's say, a chemical formulator to you know, put products together, I think, you know, we sat down with Dan, put our heads together, and, you know, you come up with a list, and we want someone that, you know, has some math skills. We want someone who, you know, might have had an experience being a baker or something like that, you know, where they had to, you know, put components, you know, together and, you know, kind of operate equipment. And then, you know, they use that, they take it out, and they market it, and then, you know, they send you a couple of resumes, and you interview the people, and you kind of see exactly... Uh, what fits, but uh, the question that I that I had for Pam is: I know that restoration companies, uh, chemical manufacturing companies, have from time to time run into big issues with uh, insurance. Uh, the restoration companies had issues with uh, mold insurance, you know, pollution contamination issues. Uh, the chemical manufacturing companies had issues with products liability. I wonder whether you have any difficulty, you know, getting insurance, you know, workman's comp and or other insurance issues based on your industry. Um, the staffing industry has, and I can only really speak specifically to PA um, for this. In, in, in Pennsylvania, you have, we have codes, um, about 30, uh, that we have to find out your workers' comp code, and then we plot it into our matrix. Um, and then that's how, how we will code your specific um, industry. Uh, that's problematic because for the staffing industry, because unfortunately in the staffing industry, there's a lot of people who like to cheat. Um, me not being one of those, unfortunately. So my costs are high for workers' comp um, when I do industrial. But that that is very big. So another question, I guess, Joe, I would say to you um, in response to your last question is they the company should make sure that they're being coded correctly because if they're not, it's not just the staffing company that gets in trouble, but it's also the company that's allowing the staffing industry to get in, in trouble. So, um, but that we get. Um, there's not a lot of companies that want to um, insure the staffing industry, so a lot of times you end up in the state pool. Um, but, you know, we, we, we will be able to get it, so they can't not let you have it. So. Um, but we, we code differently than you all. We put you into our codes. And is the disaster restoration code, I, I know people use different codes, is it um, pretty expensive for workers' comp? It's it's a higher code. Yeah. Certainly it's a higher code because the risk is higher. Yeah, you're kind of um, in a construction job plus, you know. Yeah, it's it's not as high as construction, but it is a higher code. Um, so, but that gets put in, but that's high. it's high for them and it's high for us. So, um it should be no different, you know, but it's high for both of us. How do you verify that? Do so, you ask them to show you, hey, this is where we're putting your, you know, if uh, if it is a problem and it sounds like it could be with, you know, this is how people would try and make a little extra money. Let's code them as this instead of this. You know, we don't have to pay as high workers' comp. Do they have, do you have to? That actually does happen. Do you have to submit records um, of some kind? Or? I make them sign. I make them sign what their code is. I see. Um, so when I send them a letter saying we're going to service them, it says your workers' comp code is this. 
Okay. Um, so if if I'm going to get in trouble, guess what? So are they. <laughs> um, but if, they, if you don't want to deal with them, if they're not going to be upfront with you. Sure. Um, but what I can say is if you have one company that's giving you a rate that is so different or so much higher than this other company, then you got to wonder how this other company is so low. Mm-hmm. It's not all on gross profit. So um, that's why I'm saying a company needs to do their due diligence to make sure the staffing company is is doing the right thing on their end because you're culpable for that also. Cliff, you had one more? Yeah, I do. I do. Uh, you may have a couple is, more. <laughs> yeah, I, I think one of, one of the big issues that a lot of companies have, Pam, is really with you know sexual harassment, uh, you know, what you can do, what you can't do, and, you know, we, we tend to spend a lot of time on that. And, uh, is, do you, do, what do you do with these people? I mean, do you deal with that at all with them? Or, I mean, I guess you have to. You have to. Well, I can tell you that if, if a temp is out in the field, let's say they're at your company, and they complain to me that something is going on, I have to investigate it. And and you can't just say that, well, they're attempts, so it doesn't matter. They're on your site, so you're responsible for that. But I'm responsible for not just um, letting it go away either. You know, I mean, we have to, as a temp, they have to be treated exactly as if they were an employee, because they are an employee at your facility. So you can't allow the sexual discrimination to happen there to a temp. Or an employee. I, I, um, I understand, but do you do something with your people, you know, before they would come out to my facility, or when you first hire them, you know, uh, to deal with, you know, to, you know, to, you know, number one, not. Yeah, you, you don't want, you don't want them the, to be on either side of the sexual harassment issue. That they cannot sexually harass. Is that what you're saying? Attempt? Yeah, do we yeah, talk yeah. to the temp about um, right. not having sexual harassment? Um, as any employer would. I mean, we have a, a, an employee booklet that they need to look at, and it, it says we won't tolerate that either. And gotcha. um, yeah, they shouldn't be doing it. I can say normally, or what I have seen over the last twenty some years, if it is, it's usually. Usually the temp is on the downside, and that goes to, you know, I always, I believe that how the temps are treated is based on how management has um, allowed it to happen. If if temps don't make it within the workplace there, not a specific one, but just because they didn't have the skills or whatever, but if if there's not a team building with with the temps and the people, um, the permanent people, then it's because management isn't doing their part. They haven't told their employees that the temps aren't a bad thing for them, but rather a good thing. I agree with you. Well, before we go, any others, Cliff? I have one final. Thank you. My final question, Pam, is there anything we missed that you'd like to add? And can you get folks some contact information so if they need Crown Services, Crown Employment Services, services, um, we can get in touch with you. Sure, I think we sort of um, hit the gamut on on what to discuss about staffing. Uh, my information is it's Crown Employment Services. Um, we're at 801 Venial Street in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, 15212. Uh, my telephone number is 412-567-7111. Be happy to help anybody. 
How we do? It's www.krown, E is an eagle, MP, svc.com. Very good. Well, Pam, thanks so much for joining us. This has been great. I look forward to meeting you in person. I finally got a chance to talk to you. I've heard all about you many times uh, in, in my travels <laughs> with Bill. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you've done some disaster restoration with Cliff and Bill. Well, I've done a little bit myself, and you know how that goes. You start to chat about different things, and uh, he's a great guy. But I can tell you Pam's a pistol and owns at least a pistol. I would love to. at least one. Well, we'd love to have to get together. It's been my pleasure. Our pleasure having you. Hey, this is Radio Joe Hughes saying thanks so much to Pam Wigan of Crown Employment Services. Very informative show. I think um, we got to get that one up for the certified firms group there, too, Cliff. I think that would go real well for those folks. And, and yeah, I think so, too. Anyone in the disaster restoration world, we'll put together some questions and take it from there. Of course, thank you, Z-Man, for your help, as always, on this Friday afternoon. I want to thank Jessica Lawson at the controls. No blips, no glips. Hey, did we get a right, a right answer, Cliff? Uh, not yet. No, not yet. yet. Okay, the trivia question's still out there, folks. So get those answers in. We've got uh, got an opportunity for an opening. That's not too not too common. Of course, uh, Doctor Wow. I don't know what happened to Dieter. Dieter, are you with us? Y- yes, I'm here. Oh, uh, there you are. We tried to bring you on, Dieter, and I didn't hear you. You didn't. Uh, you, you must yeah, have missed it. I was here all along. Huh? What happened? You couldn't talk. I was at one uh, at one time a little glitch, maybe when it was over or muted or non-muted. Uh, I'm sorry. I listened to all of it. I'm I'm here. I was for the whole hour. Wow. I tried to get you on the roundup, but there was no answer. <laughs> Excuse me. I thought you walked away for a minute. Any quick comments, Dieter? Uh, no. Well, I, I had a question, actually. Uh, uh, See, Pam's, interest me. Pam's still on? I mean, who... Who are those? Um, who are his employees? Are they desperate people who can't get a job, or do they say, yeah. hey, "I really don't want to have a full-time job. I have some other income, but yeah, if I work uh, two months out of the year, it's fine." Now, of course, I can't, and I can certainly understand it in the restoration business. It's um, you know, I can't. Think- flood and I can't predict storm and you can't have you know, 50 people sitting around doing nothing waiting for you know, a disaster to happen um, that was one of my questions well, let's see Pam's still on dear let's see if we get I'm an on. answer go ahead oh. um, no actually people um, companies now utilize the staffing services to do their hiring for them, to supplement their hiring. So HR departments of big companies call us and say, hey, I'm going to need 20 people. I want them temp to hire. And so then we, we recruit for those people. So they're using us to supplement their need so that they don't have to advertise. So, no, back in the day, 20 years ago, yeah, there was a lot of people that just wanted to work here and there. Um, right. Today, not the same. Today, people are mostly looking for um, full-time jobs, and they use the services because we can get them into um, regular clients. So they get yeah, a- and I can see the other side from a potential employer. Hey, I can look at this guy, 
that guy or that lady or whatever. And uh, I don't have really any commitment if I like them. Correct. If I don't like them, I can easily say, hey, you know, it didn't work out. Bye-bye. Without Correct. all the liability. And on the other hand, I don't know anything about that, about unemployment. Do they, are they, uh, can they get unemployment? I don't know. That you have to work a minimum amount of hours or days? It's the same for me as it is. It's the same for me as it is for you. So let's say, let's say that person has already worked someplace for twelve weeks. They come and work for you for four. Let's yep. say they work fifteen weeks and they come and work for you for a week and a half. Let's say now they're eligible to go on your work, your unemployment. Where if you go through a service. They're not. But it was funny because when I first got into the industry, I had a girl, an applicant, come in, and she said to me, I don't have to sign those forms because you're not really an employer. Well, we're actually the same kind of employer. We're a full-time employer, which is why we give people full-time benefits if they work for us full-time. So while we're temporary in the fact that we give people and put them out in the field to other clients, we're not... We're a full-time employer, as as anybody else were. We're a regular employer who pays oodles of unemployment and workers' comp and all all those kind of payroll insurance and taxes, FICA, Social Security, etc. Right. I see. I see. So yeah, I mean, I like I said, I can see, I can see that it that it, it can really work out on both ends, or on all three ends. You, the temp, and the uh, the future employer. That uh, that. Correct. Makes to me, if I had to hire somebody and I said, well, I think there are, I have never hired anybody, so I don't know, but there are uh, rules and regulations on temporaries and so on. I think in the first three months, either one can fire anybody without any problems whatsoever. Well, and I don't, I don't know those details, but I think it, uh, it, it does make sense to me. It does make sense to me that... I can take a look at a prospective guy. Maybe I need him longer, but I try him out for a month or two. And then I said, hey, you know, it didn't work out. Sorry. And maybe you found somebody better. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Correct. Well, Dieter, thanks as always for joining us. I'm glad I asked if you were still there. That's great. Um, Yeah, as I said, I was, there was maybe, maybe there was a little glitch when we went from muting to non-muting, and I didn't hear anything. Could be. But that doesn't matter. Uh, we did it. Always great to have you, Dieter. All right. I'm going to wrap this up, folks. This is Radio Thanks Joe so Hughes. much. Thank All you, right. Pam. Thank you. Have a great weekend, much everyone. appreciated. Bye-bye. Thank you, Dieter. Thank you, Cliff. Thanks. Thank you, Jess. And, of course, our growing group of loyal listeners, please come back and join us next Friday at noon for the next episode of IAQ Radio.